0: You're listening to the Poor Boy World Championships Podcast.
1: Wow, just wow. That was the only reaction going on, I'm sure, in uh, living rooms up and down the UK when uh, people saw the result of the last men's event at the World Championships with the men's medley relay team taking an absolutely fantastic gold medal in that race. It was the end of the World Championships today. We've reached the end. And joining me for the Poolboy podcast, once again, Bob Ballard and Katie Wilde. And we're very happy to have Dizzy Simmons back on board as well. I'm Steve Buckley, and we'll take a look back over events of the the second half of these world championships and, and perhaps have a chat about the british performance uh, over the course of this podcast but i'm interested just now the men's medley relay what a way to finish bob
2: i couldn't believe it. and uh, i have actually had a chance to watch it back now both the bbc version and the Fina version and I, every time i watch it you're thinking there's no way duncan scott could come back from where he was on that 50 turn and you think look who's up against nathan adrian who brings it home time and time again for the us um and how often has he done anchor leg and been overtaken by somebody it's a very rare event but not just overtaken uh that was over a third of a second between them at the end and that 46 one split um Quite phenomenal. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I did a double take and I thought that can't be right because, like you, I was having to watch it on the Omega screen as it was coming through because so I couldn't get a feed of it. And then suddenly I saw I, I saw a little black thing come up beside Duncan Scott's name. I thought because he went off very quickly, his, his reaction time was very quick. And I'm thinking, oh, don't tell me he's been decued It came up as a European record. I went, what, what? And I looked at the time at the end. I thought 36.14. That is ridiculous. Um, and, and to be fair, you know uh, James had a decent uh, leg as well, and and J- and Adam with the fifty-seven too. So, you know, it, it was a really good collective. But uh, Duncan Scott, the loser that he is, of course, um, as Sun Yang will tell us, um,
1: is, is obviously not uh, not not able
2: to do anything uh, heroic
1: like that at all. Well, it was a very good team performance, as you say. Luke Greenbank dipping under fifty-four seconds to get the team off. Adam PT fifty-seven-two uh, on the uh, breaststroke leg, despite uh, doing something I've never seen before, which was whacking the the finish official on the head as he went to dive in. Uh, I think he, he described. Did you notice that? Yeah, no. He I, he described his uh, dive as uh, falling in like a loaf of bread, which was a new uh, analogy <laughs> for me. Um, he uh, was toast then. Indeed, um, then James Guy fifty point eight, which was solid, and I thought actually quite important because what he did on that leg was not let Dressel get too far away and actually put some some space between um, Britain and and the rest of the field, Russia aside. Uh, and then of course that fantastic anchor leg from Duncan, second fastest ever, forty six point one four, only Jason Lezak at the two thousand and eight Olympics. Wearing, uh, of course, a full bodysuit, uh, posted forty-six oh six, anchoring the the American four uh, x one free relay. Uh, relays do funny things to people, don't they, Katie? And uh, this is just an astonishing swim to, to bring that relay home.
0: Yeah, I think it took me quite a long time to realise how amazing it actually was because I was I was sort of thinking for some reason that he'd, you know, he he dipped into a forty-seven low, which is not the case at all. I think Duncan's been what forty-seven eight from a flat start. So I mean, that's an absolutely unbelievable swim and like I've watched it a couple of times now and he just looked so strong the whole the whole way which no one else in that field looked it was just absolutely incredible and I think yeah there's something about doing it for your team and uh, you know bringing them home as world champions in such an unlikely way it's just absolutely amazing
1: and uh, I noticed and I, I don't know whether this was just a, a function of how tired he was at the end how fast he was going whatever he often well he normally switches to straight arms for the last six or seven meters of of the race in uh, his 100 and 200 free uh, and he didn't this time i think he had one straight arm for the for the finish um but it was otherwise you know kept his normal normal strokes. so whether that was a conscious thing or whether that was just a you know a wave of adrenaline and he forgot who knows but um, just something that i'd, I'd spotted uh I'm, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just give a, a look forward to
2: how things will be in a year's time. Luke's going to come down for 53.9 to what? 53.5 maybe, 53.4. Give him another year. Uh, Adam can go a little bit quicker. James can go quite a bit quicker. I'm Not sure Duncan can mind you, but if if, if we say that uh, Luke's going to take about another, let's say four tenths, maybe maybe half a second off that. Adam maybe a couple of tenths. James down to low 50s. Um, they're going to do around about 3.27, aren't they? 3.26, maybe.
0: Yeah, but also, like, that's not even event, from what we've seen, that's not even the event that Duncan's been concentrating on. So, you know, if if that becomes more of a focus for him over the next year, just, like, who knows? Who knows what he's capable of? Because I think he will have surprised himself.
3: Yeah, I was was going to just mention that, I I wonder whether or not that will affect his preparations over the, the next year because obviously relays we know it's a very kind of special and unique environment. You're obviously also getting a, a relay takeover um kind of benefit rather than going from a from a normal start. But the 103 was won in 469, I think, from Caleb Dressel. Um yep. so so that's a you know that's a huge margin, even given you know the fact that it was a relay. Um, you think that perhaps Duncan made the wrong decision to go for the two medley instead of the 103 um, and whether or not that might be a consideration. I don't know how the schedule works out next year for him, um, but it might be something that he decides to focus on after that race. Um, you'd, you'd think it, it would definitely be in some chats that he's going to be having with his coach in the next few months.
2: Just looking at the splits, the only other sub 47 was Carl Chalmers at the end. forty-six-six.
3: Yeah, so the-
1: quite quite remarkable I think as you mentioned you think Adam can go a bit quicker well obviously we've seen him do that before and I think I was wondering about this because he was a little you know he swam 56.8 in his individual and he split 57.7 and 57.2 in the two relays he swam and uh, I, I do wonder how important it is that the, the backstroker in, in the medley relays uh, keeps him in contact with, with the field much more and how whether he's affected by the waves um, a bit more than perhaps we might think, um, because you know when he split that fifty-six, whatever it was in Rio, Chris Walker Heaven was was f- much closer to the field than perhaps Luke Greenbank was today, and maybe you know, maybe maybe it's just you no know, a secondary advantage of having a faster backstroker is that Adam is less influenced by by the weight from the dive and everything
2: well, else. Well, that's what I'm still... I, I But I think Luke will improve by at least half
1: a second. Oh, I agree. Yeah, he has the potential to do that.
0: Um, it's a strange situation for Adam though because I, I was thinking about it when I watched it like he's not used to being behind anyone and like he I mean he's just he's just not that's just never a situation that he's in and and you know I don't know what you know never having actually tried to do breaststroke and go forwards I don't know what it's like I don't know what I don't know if there are waves in breaststroke it looks like something that you wouldn't have waves in the same way that you might you know if you're going in on the fly leg but it has to It like the mentality must be quite different perhaps you're you sort of try too hard when when he knows the expectations that are on him and you know the job that he's got to do to catch people up. I don't think it's an easy job, and I think that might play a part in it as well. It's just such an alien position for him to be in.
1: Well, regardless, it was an absolutely superb performance from that quartet. The Americans have uh, have only been beaten once in 18 uh, World Championships in this event. Uh, when they haven't got themselves disqualified uh, so they've, they've managed to do that three times but Australia beat them in 1998 and other than that uh, this is the, first, the second time that they've actually been beaten in the water so quite a remarkable result and an absolutely uh, fantastic way for Britain, Britain's men to finish finish this meet um, we've talked about Luke Greenbank quite a lot in the, in the context of that uh, relay he had uh, probably a bit of a breakthrough swim for him in his individual 200 metres backstroke a few days ago um, snuck in with a, with a fantastic last 50 metres, I think the second fastest of the of the whole final, to uh, take a bronze medal. Lizzie, what did you make of that?
3: Yeah, I was really, really impressed by Luke and, and so pleased for him as an athlete as well because he's been there or thereabouts kind of making the teams, not quite making the teams um, for the last few years and this really was a breakthrough swim for him. It wasn't a super, super strong field, but he absolutely took advantage of that And huge kudos to him for doing that. And I think, as you said, we can really um, kind of see the athlete that he's become from the way that he swam the race because I think often in in kind of world finals and he won't have swum in that kind of environment before it's very easy to go out max and and just kind of you know get caught up in the race and try a bit too hard and probably end up fading a bit at the end whereas he really did stick to what I imagine was his race plan and swim you know exactly to his strengths and really pull it back at the end um, and snuck in with a bronze medal so definitely not not one that we probably would have expected or that um, you know, the organizers or the team would have expected, but a, a really huge step forward. A lot of confidence then going on into that medley relay and hopefully for the next year as well, because he will be a crucial part of that team um, for that relay in, in Rio. So, um, yeah, gra- absolutely great swim for him, and I hope it gives him a lot of confidence going forward. Talked to Mel
2: Marshall on Saturday morning about Luke, and uh, obviously, congratulated her as well for her part. And I said, so, so. so... What's happened in the last two years, she actually corrected me, said no, three years, she said, and she, she held her hands up and said, look, I got it wrong. I got his program wrong. We tried stuff, it didn't work. We changed it. Um, but it took a little while to find out that it wasn't going to work. So we've had to kind of reevaluate and do different things and she thinks that they're now on the right track but um i think she feels a little bit guilty that she kind of wasted along with him a couple of years where things could have been a bit better but she thinks that they've that they managed to get that solved and resolved now that uh, and he can go forward from here it's
3: and that's a tough
0: position for him, though, because he's like you know it, that there is this there's this sort of expectation that he's joining a relay with these three guys who, who have made a name for themselves. They've all got interna- individual international medals. And he's, he's been, you know, we've seen the backstroke as a bit of a weak link up until now. And yet he's just come through it. He's proved himself. He's now got his own international medal. Um, he's had such a great meet. And I think it's, it's a testament of his character that he's come through all that pressure and is now, you know, kind of up there with the best of them.
1: Well, just picking up on your point, Bob, uh, he, made, he made an interesting comment in his chat with Sharon. Uh, after his final, where he said that that Mel had actually been consulting with uh, his previous coach, Sean Balmer, up at Cockermouth, and that they tweaked his program as you as you alluded to, to be a lot more like the sort of work he'd been doing there when he first made his breakthrough at, um, at the European Games. So, I think it's great that that the coaches have got together, sort of recognised, okay, what we're doing is not working, uh, and changed it, and it's obviously paid dividends this week because he's um, he swam really well. So, uh, yeah, a, a really good meet um, for Luke and very promising to see him uh, perhaps fulfilling the potential we saw um, back in Baku, however many years ago it was, in that European um, Games uh, gold medal that he won. So uh, really pleased for him. Um, Well those were the only uh, two medals that Britain won in the last uh, four days of competition, so um, no more medals to talk about, but there were uh, a couple of standout performances just to mention uh, they mainly came from Anna Hopkin who I think surprised an awful lot of people by uh, a very very fast uh, heat in the 100m freestyle uh, she just missed the final in that but she bounced back um, set PBs in the 53 to make the final there finished 7th and then an absolutely stonking split in the uh, in the medley relay heats 52.6 anchoring the, the ladies team home uh, she's had a great week Katie
0: yeah i mean i think obviously anyone who's who's followed her how well she's done uh in short course yards over in the u.s where she's currently um at university she's made like such amazing improvements there but you never know if it's going to translate into long course um and she she'd obviously made some long course improvements to get onto the team and I, I think i'm right in saying she she was one of the people who they brought on as a wild card and you know 100% deserved i think she's some, someone that we should all be really really excited about um I'd like to see her improving through the rounds. Um, I know she was a bit disappointed with her uh, semi-final 103 after a really brilliant heat. Um, and I think her, her 50 was, you know, very, very slightly slower in the final, but not really anything that you can comment on. It was like a few hundreds. But I think if she could, you know, be a little bit more consistent on, on the improvement through the rounds, then I think, you know, there's going to be a real fight for who's on in that freestyle spot on the medley relay.
2: Somebody on the Media Tribune said to me yesterday, she's swimming like an American. And I went, I don't even know what that means. They said, well, she looks like she's in America and swimming like an American does. Can anybody there explain what that means? Because I couldn't really fathom that. Do the Americans have a different technique or something?
0: Maybe it's just about her, you know, how how she's getting up and racing and she doesn't look like she's scared to race because I think an awful lot of them, they just race so often in in the college system there that that i think there's there's slightly less of this oh it's it's such a big deal kind of thing she adjusted is,
2: uh, a stroke or something i mean does it look different from how it looked when she was swimming at ealing for how, how it swims how she's swimming in the us for example
0: i don't know lizzie i don't know if you know because she was at bath for a bit when you were there wasn't she
3: no i think she was no? just after me um yeah i know uh, i i wouldn't know differences in her stroke i imagine it's probably a bit more like what katie said i'm not sure there's a specific style of i'm thinking to us freestylers now and i can't think of a kind of consistent style that she you'd necessarily put her into a a particular us category um so i i'd I'd say it probably means more about yeah just facing up to um you know being in a sprint field not being intimidated by being in a a world-class sprinting field and going and getting stuck in um and I, i think it's you know it's been the, they've been. We've had standout sprinters, obviously, over over the last few years from the UK, but we're not consistent as as GB um, in women's sprinting. So,
2: does that overshadow though the, what Freya did on the back of the mixed medley? Because I thought I thought that was exceptional the way she beat the Russian in that. And we could, maybe we we're overshadowing that a little bit because uh, the attention's on on Anna for the last couple of days.
0: I, in I the think Freya- missed out i I just think that like anna's a new discovery for for us perhaps perhaps we've all been a bit naive at how good she is but she's just made massive improvements and freya's been such a standout it's kind of nice to, to see that there's a bit of depth there
3: yeah absolutely um i i think we've also become very very familiar with seeing freya be exceptional in relays um and not you know not daunted by the the thought of anchoring a at uh, an international competition to win a medal for, um, for Great Britain. So I think it's, I, I, as Katie said, it's kind of, it was maybe less expected from Anna. So it's great to see another, another breakthrough athlete, but definitely doesn't overshadow what Sprey has done at all. And it was very, a very, very deserved uh, medal for her in that mixed medley.
1: I think it's summed up really by uh, a discussion I had on Twitter earlier today where uh, debating... Who who should swim the last leg of the uh, the women's medley relay this evening? And we were really arguing about which fifty two point freestyler Britain should choose. And you know that's not something that I'm not sure we could ever have said it, but certainly we haven't said it for a very long time. That's a fantastic
3: so, discussion to be having. Definitely, yeah, absolutely, we've only ever had, really had
1: one at any time,
2: didn't we? We, we obviously Fran for a long time, um, and Alison Shepherd and people like that. You know, we haven't had uh, too many others.
1: So uh, yeah, fantastic to have those two uh, in the mix for the relays and uh, yeah, hopefully Anna can keep those strides going into Olympic year uh, next year because she's had a real sort of uh, announce- announcing herself on the international stage over the past week. Right, let's, let's move on, talk about a couple of events that we were looking forward to uh, at the halfway point that perhaps didn't pan out in exactly the way uh, we all confidently predicted they would. Uh, firstly, the men's 4x200 relay. Uh, we were all confident that they could retain their title or at least win a medal. And um, and let's face it, they were agonisingly close to, to making the podium, but uh, a little way off the gold. Uh, Duncan Scott another fantastic swim leading that race off 144.91, uh, which was a British record to lead them off. Um, but as it as it happens, they uh, they pulled up 0.06 off the podium in fifth place. You know, in what was uh, for the neutral it was an absolutely fantastic final. I mean, there were five teams in it. Um, with a you no, know, you could throw a blanket over them for almost the entire uh, seven minutes of the final. It was just an absolutely fantastic race. Uh, an advert for this event but inevitably as a british fan katie it's, it's a little bit disappointing to see them come up just that little bit short
0: yeah i completely agree but i think it's probably the best possible time it could happen because you know if it shows if it shows us anything a it's that we have options and there are a lot of choices that could be made and whether or not the right right ones were made you know that's a discussion to be had but i think when you say 0.06 off the podium and then you look at our takeover times, perhaps compared to some of the other countries, you can see that there are massive improvements that can be made in, in that way. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, as I think we probably quite often discuss at this point of a major meet, we do tend to be a nation of near misses and perhaps not one of the nations that has the best skills. So I imagine those will be things that will be looked at and worked on really, really hard in this next year, because you know, things, I'm sure things have changed because we're far more competitive in the relays than we've ever been before. But I would say that our, in the past, and this is going back a bit to when I was on teams, um, perhaps the focus on things like takeovers was a little bit like, oh, let's just do a bit before the meet. And and yeah, that'll do. I know kind of how you touch and that I then have to go, but it's not a focus. Mm. And I think perhaps it needs to be. I did Told wonder
1: you. about this. Sorry, I just... I'll just want to make this point because i did wonder about this in the context of the medley relay their takeovers were all really slick i mean their their total takeover tolerance was was faster than the u.s which is you know unheard of you know from a british team really but i do wonder about the element of familiarity because you know those four guys swam uh some last year three of them have swum the last uh three i think global finals or or no national uh, international championships together on that team um and i do want know the the four by two has switched the order around a little bit um and of course they've had i think they've been down to to bath and had a camp with uh with joel Fink i think who's responsible for that team someone will correct me on Twitter if i'm wrong um but yeah it just maybe that familiarity isn't quite there for that order that they swam in uh, on this one because as you say there's definitely uh, more than 6-100s in those takeovers if they if they really push it a little bit more. But, 0.37, 0.41, 0.32. Yes, there's, there's, there's mm. plenty in there. I mean, it's it wouldn't have won them the, the gold, but it might have snuck them on the podium. But, Bob, I, I think you you perhaps would have gone a different way with the team in the final.
2: Well, maybe with a bit of hindsight, because I'm a massive fan of Tom Dean. I think he's, he's looking like he's going to be a big star of the future. Uh, but to ask him to do two big races like that in the day uh, I thought was maybe a bit too much and he did go off a bit like a scolded cat at the beginning and ran out of juice last 25. He was, I mean, I was virtually in line with him for the last 25 and it, it was almost like a 200 butterfly in the way he finished that, like an elephant had been dropped on his back. And I was thinking the way Cam Curl swam in the morning to get Great Britain in that final, I would have almost felt obligated to give him another swim. Because uh, I, I think the way he came back, uh, all right. Actually, the time when you look at it overall was was not brilliant, but it's just the way he swam it and got us into the final. Uh, Tom Dean's day will come in a lot more than in the future. I would have actually said to him, "Thanks very much for getting us in the final. You can have a rest now."
1: Well, I think uh, you know. I think there's an argument to be made for for either of those those uh men to have swum that final. So but um and Cam
2: Curl's done lots of times before yeah. you see so that's the other thing. I think he's got the experience of that and Tom will get chance for experience. I think he got the got the experience in the morning for the future. But I, I would have stuck in somebody like Cam Curl on the back of on the on the leg that Tom did.
1: Well I mean Tom will obviously be better for that experience for next year, assuming he you know wins out in the bun fight to get on this this squad for uh, for the Olympics in Tokyo. Um I think one one thing that that I really noticed the splits the team splits were actually pretty good. You know, one forty four nine, one forty five five, forty six one, and forty five four. But what we what we didn't have this year that perhaps we've had uh, in the last two World Championships was was someone doing something absolutely outstanding. So, you know, for example, James and his one forty three split two years ago, uh, and that can that little bit of inspiration can just be the difference, perhaps, between an agonising fifth and actually winning the event. So. Uh, nobody on any team did that, anything like that hey, well that's my point really isn't it that uh it was the the most consistent team in the australians that won um but but and as you say nobody had that little bit of magic you know the the duncan scott 46-1 if you like um equivalent in this event um to uh to, you know to elevate them clear of that dogfight so uh you know it's just how relays go isn't it but um I think Katie, you said that the battle to be on that squad for next year will be intense, and that's inevitably going to be good for uh, for Britain going into the Olympics in this event. And as, again, as you said, better to happen now than um, than uh, than in Tokyo. Uh, the other event we sort of were very uh, keen to talk about on uh, Wednesday, following the uh, results of the hundred, was the men's 200 breaststroke. Uh, didn't quite go to plan, Lizzie. Did it with uh, with James Willby and Ross Murdoch both. Bowing out in the semi-finals. I don't know what you made of that.
3: Yeah, I think um, there's still still strong swims from those boys. Um, I think what you inevitably see with the 200 breaststroke, and it is a bit of an anomaly, I think, because the the world records are 206, and it was obviously lowered in in the final. Um, but you tend to see lots of boys going 207s, 208s in. Even in the heats, but definitely in the in the semis and in the final as well, it's it's a it, an event where there's a lot of depth from across the world that you maybe don't see in other events until the final. Um, so it's always a bit of a kind of you know how much energy energy do you conserve in in the semis you obviously want to build through the rounds and give your best performance in the final um but maybe those boys just took a little bit of a risk thinking that it might be slightly slower to actually make the final um and it was obviously pretty pretty quick to make the top 8 so um you, you know Ross Ross was kind of there or thereabouts where he has been for the for the past couple of years James I think we we'd all we kind of flagged him as maybe being a hopeful for the podium from that based on his um, you know, outstanding performance in the in the hundred earlier in the week, but we also don't know whether or not he's been working more on the hundred in the lead up to these games. So um, maybe he has seen an opportunity there and has been working more on the sprint side of his program. Traditionally, he he probably has been known a bit more for the for the two hundred. Um, so again, it'll be an interesting one to see which one he focuses on or whether he focuses on both kind of going forward. Because um, on his best, he he should have a shot at the podium for both of those. Um but but yeah, it was disappointing not to not to see those British boys in the final, but um a very, very exciting race nonetheless.
2: I think the problem is from my observation looking on poolside side the other day, is when he does the hundred, he just goes out there and does it and doesn't think about stroke rates or, or anything like that. <coughs> when he when he does the two hundred, it's a it's a different story. Yeah, he has to be a bit more Within himself, he has to be a bit more constructive with the way he does it. And there are occasions, while I was watching him the other day, where he looked like he was back at York rather than being at Loughborough. His his stroke just goes to pieces for a little bit and becomes a bit ragged and then it'll come back again. They'll go a little bit ragged again and it'll come back again. It's just not consistent some of the times at 200, whereas 100, he just goes for it and doesn't have to worry about it too much.
1: Well, we can hope that they'll both bounce back for uh, the Olympics next year. Um, that was certainly the message that Ross was giving on his Twitter. You know, go back. I think he said, we go again. Um, so he'll go back and, and hopefully bounce back uh, to his best next year. James, of course, picks up a gold medal uh, for that medley relay, having swum the breaststroke leg in the heats. So I think he'll probably be satisfied with this week's work, uh, albeit he can probably learn a little bit uh, from what happened in the 200 and hopefully come back stronger if he focuses on that. Uh, one final uh swimmer we highlighted a half way was Ben Proud. Um he was a little way off probably where he would have wanted to be in the in the fifty three final at twenty one five five. It looked to me, Katie, like he was fighting a little bit with the water, whereas last year he just looked like he was, you know, at one with it and was just sort of gliding through. Uh it just seemed like it was hard work this time and uh, you know, I think he would have felt he could have got on the podium. I mean twenty one four for joint silver should have been well within his capability
0: yeah and i think like i think it certainly is like we all know what he's capable of but i suppose the trouble with the 50 is that there's there's you have to get everything right to get on that podium and there are so many things that can go slightly wrong and it's only a slightly wrong that's the difference between you know winning a coming second or being on the podium and not being on the podium um and I think, you know, except for, we don't know how much the the disqualifications for his start have been playing on his mind, because that's obviously happened a few times, and is the sort of thing that can, you know, make you a little bit uneasy, and you need, you need to not be uneasy if you're going to be winning a 50, or on the podium for a 50, so I think, again, it's one of those things that it's better to have an off year this year than next year, Um, he's obviously an incredibly talented swimmer, working with a brilliant coach, and I'm sure they will go away and change things, and We'll see the same Ben Proud that we saw last year uh, next year, but hopefully with slightly fewer disqualifications. Do you
2: think He's he still was... quickest away though? It's interesting. He was still quickest away in that final.
0: He's always had a very very quick reaction time, um, but but I don't know. Perhaps there's something about about being so keyed up for for to get all those 100s is the thing that makes you more likely to twitch. I'm not sure.
1: Well, I mean, hopefully he'll come back next year. But Katie, I wanted to ask, do you think he was affected by swimming two 100s on the first day? Because that's not something that he would normally have done because uh, he yeah. would not have had that relay, you know, in previous years.
0: I, I, it'll sound, it, it will probably sound silly to, to a lot of people, but I, I do think it's a big ask. If you're someone who is a pure 50 sprinter, I genuinely think asking them to, to step up and do 100 when that's the thing that you're not training for is a very, very different event. And it's a very different type of training that you would do if you were a hundred swimmer to being a 50 swimmer. And he, I I mean, I'm not sure that it affected him for his later events because he had a little bit of time. It wasn't like he was cramming kind of multiple events into a session, but, but I do, I do think it's quite a a big extra thing to, to put on his plate.
2: I don't think he'll do it again.
1: now, Steve. I think it's going to be Matt Richards in the future. Well, I, I tend to agree that I think Britain has other options coming through, as we talked about. Uh, during the week, so uh, I think yeah, maybe he'll be able to focus on his fifty um, and just do that um, next year. Um, I think I think that's what happened with Ben. I think you know that sort of feeling that it was a missed opportunity was a uh, was a bit of a, a repeating theme. I mean, I would say Alice Thomas probably f- came away thinking she probably should have won a medal. Uh, maybe Max Litchfield in the four hundred. IM when they see what the, re- the times were that, that won those medals, will think no, that could have been me. Um, what do we make of of Britain's performance as a whole, uh, five medals won this week, which is you know not not a million miles away from the last couple of championships. They uh, reached the target. Indeed, seven in uh, 2017, nine in 2015, and of course, as we as we know well, Bob Katie, uh won in 2013. So it uh, is probably not a bad return. I don't know what your your feeling is, um, Bob. Well, there's more events now
2: uh, i got to take into account from when we're comparing it with anything in 2005 or, or 11 or, or 13 or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was – I mean, Luke's a bonus medal uh, most definitely, so you can add one in there. Um, perhaps we lost out with Ben. Perhaps we lost out with Max. Um, maybe Molly should have got a medal the way she was swimming as well. She, she was right on the cusp of getting one as well. So we, we probably could have picked up maybe potentially three or four more there. Um, but as you say, next year is the time we really want to be doing it because that's that's what it really means a bit more um, and hopefully because of the, the, the kind of warning signals, if you like, from this one for next year, um, they'll be even more attuned and even more ready for it.
1: Lizzie, I mean, I, th- I don't
0: know what you're
3: yeah. saying a Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, there are definitely some slightly missed opportunities where we might have had expectations for... For a couple more medals, or various people to maybe be standing on the podium, but it it was a very I thought it was a very strong World championship so it was always going to be hard to get on the podium. And as Bob said, it's you know it's better that it's happened like that this year than we had an absolute you know we have an outstanding Worlds this year with many more medals than expected, and then you know slightly disappointing next year. So um, I think hopefully what it will have done is given a lot of people a lot of confidence, um, because we we did have some really really strong swims even from. Those who maybe just missed out on podiums. So, you know, mention somebody like Molly. I, I doubt she's leaving. She might be leaving this competition thinking, oh, you know, that 200 might have gone slightly different. But I, d- I don't think she'll be thinking kind of going into next year that she's way out of the question or, or, you know, doesn't have any potential to make the podium. So I hope she will go into this next year with kind of feeling refreshed and, and with confidence. And I think a lot of other athletes will too. Um, so, so, from my perspective, yes, the, the medal numbers could have been slightly different um i think it was maybe interesting that it was ma- the majority were um the guys that were on the podium so apart from the mixed medley relay, we didn't have any girls on the podium um but we do tend to do that in british i mean we tend to cycle through the genders a little bit we've had years where the where the ladies tend to be much stronger than the guys um and then it's kind of cycling back around at the moment and we're seeing a, maybe a slightly stronger side more experienced side from the guys and maybe some up and coming young um female athletes so yeah it'd be all to play for still next year and i think as i said hopefully lots of athletes will go into this next year of preparation with a lot of confidence taken from those world championships and a lot of experience as well. We, we were forgetting we've, we had quite a lot of rookies on the team or quite a lot that haven't kind of stood up in finals at that level before. Um, so hopefully, you know, regardless of results or what happens, you know, w- whether they reached a podium or not reach a podium, hopefully they will take a lot of experience in standing up in such a, such an elite field um, into next year and, and hopefully be well prepared for what will to be to come in Tokyo
1: you talked about cycling through the genders what we also seem to have done a little bit this this time around perhaps uh, is also cycled down the distances if you like Bob you made this point to me earlier that, yeah. uh, that we had I think one finalist in an event 400 meters or longer all week and actually uh, yeah, we didn't have many participants.
2: Well, that's the whole point. We, we, you know, the the four hundred we had Holly uh, in the women's, and you know, we we really struggled to get, and we are struggling to get anybody in events above two hundred meters at the moment. And it was always a very strong part of it. We, we're going back to recent history. Obviously, with Becky with two thousand and eight, Jazz with, with two thousand sixteen, uh, with David Davis and Graham Smith in recent history, and and Dan making. Um, a final in London 2012 in the 1500. I don't, I don't know what, quite what's happening here, where the, the 400, 800, and 1500 metres freestyle swimmers have gone, because we don't seem to have any. We, we have a little glimpse of somebody, like a Tim Shuttleworth, for example, who has an exceptional year, and we get very excited, and then he goes and does open water and disappears we don't see him. We see a couple of other people knocking on the 15 minutes, go. Oh, we've, we found somebody, and then they don't recreate it again, and then they don't make the team. And it, it worries me, it really seriously worries me. It also worries me that we don't have any distance programmes, or not, not enough distance programmes within British Swimming to actually make that happen, or people just not willing to do the the meterage. Uh, it's much easier, it's a quicker fix to do a 200 and a 100. Uh, if you're going to, like I saw David Davis have to do in Cardiff, staff up and down for twenty, for seventy, eighty thousand meters a week. Um It's not fun, and you're never quite sure whether there's anything on the end of
1: it. Katie, I don't know if you've got a view on this. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's okay. a funny one, isn't it?
0: Well, I think, I mean, I think something that that I've noticed is that you know we've obviously known now that there's going to be a women's fifteen hundred in Tokyo for a little while, and a men's eight hundred, and certainly on the women's fifteen hundred, we might well have put it in our trials meet, but I can't say we've ever had. You know a meaningful race there it, it just doesn't seem to be something that we're kind of embracing and taking on and i know that goes to bob's wider point of we've just got no distance swimmers um but it, it just seems like, you know, other countries have seen an opportunity there and we just seem to it seems to have passed us by. And
2: all the finalists in the 1500 were, were in the mend were were Europeans. There was not a single American or a single Australian in there.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, but, but I think I mean, I actually don't think your point of maybe people don't want to do it is is probably far off. Um, like what uh, my my view is why on earth would you want to like i i wouldn't want to do it lizzie would you want to do you want to step up to the 1500
3: oh no absolutely not
0: but Um. i mean it's you know it it is if you can be good at something and train a bit less then great like i think most people would take the answer
3: i i i I as well think that i i this may, may be speculation but i think the way that distance swimming you train for distance swimming is changing um, I don't think it is as much just do the meters anymore. Um, I think athletes are starting to swim differently to that. Less meterage is still getting, you know, as, as a as a sport, we tend to do far, far more training than our events kind of warrant. So, I, you know, train 60 kilometers a week for a two minute race, which you wouldn't find that in many other sports. And I, I think you can train probably less on distance and still be, um, exceptional at distance events and take a Katie Ledecky for an example it's not she's not just a distance specialist anymore she can train probably for a, a, the middle of that maybe a 400 and then still go down to the 200 and 1500 I know she's been off form at this at this competition but I I, I think there's maybe a little bit of catching up to do with training smarter not just training more um, as as distance swimmers has, have tended to do in the past, which is what you're referring to when you're talking about you know, Dave Davis doing 70, 80k a week and, mm. and that is very, you know, traditional distance training. But the way that you know the world of sport works is that things continually move on. And I well, think we don't, it's but do we have the
2: distance coaches though? This is the other question No, we'll no,
3: and people. that and that may and that may influence it. I mean if if you look at the coaches in our centres, is it, it's heavily, heavily focused on two hundred meters. Um, And even even Petey, I know he's obviously an exceptional sprinter, but he actually I've trained with him before and he actually trains a little bit. He does train like a sprinter, but he trains also like a bit of a middle distance sprinter as well. So he trains as if he was going to maybe do a 200 I'm probably going to get called up on quotes, quotes for that. I don't mean at all that he will focus on the 200. I mean, he is genetically able to train very, very differently to a Ben Proud. So, I think all of those centre programmes that, you know, those young swimmers are all aspiring to be in those programmes, there aren't many people in those programmes who are doing distance events. Um, There isn't much focus going on to the distance programmes. And as you say, there aren't really any, you know, true distance coaches. Um, so when I talk about, you know, maybe things are changing a little bit across the world and it's, it might be slightly different these days to, to train and be exceptional at a distance event, maybe we also don't have coaches that are experiencing that um, and are understanding how that how those changes are happening.
2: Well, I caught up with what GB International earlier says, I, I think maybe distance camps have stopped being as much of a big thing like they were in 2014, 2016. Um, they, they don't have them anymore, simple as, you know, they, they, they did put a lot of emphasis on them for about two Two or three years, and they basically stopped. Because, uh, it took too uh, long
3: to complete.
2: Yeah, uh, well, uh, probably because <laughs> probably because there's nobody out there who wanted to do them. You know that, that that's what I'm saying. That there's and a lot of people coming down in distance now. A lot of people saying, do you know what, I, I I just can't hack the 15, and they're coming down the way and they go, actually, you know what, I'll, I'll 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 take the four on. Um, and you know you can see how 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 good it's been for the Italians, how good it was for the German. Uh, today, and you know, a guy who does open water and has won the 1500. Um, I just don't know why, you know, w- w- we had a rich seam. We had, we had Carrie Ann, we had Cassie, we had Jazz, we had Becky, we had, you know, we had David Davis, we had all these people. Dan was very good in 2012. Suddenly, there's nothing, there's, you know, and Dan Jervis was our only hope, and, and Dan didn't do very well this week. So uh, it does worry me that we, we, we're almost kind of jettisoning the, 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 the the, the longer distance saying that we, we, we just can't be bothered now. We just don't have the talent.
1: Just picking up on that point about camps, Bob, I do wonder if uh, if, if a little bit the, the camps have put on to focus on where uh, where the hierarchy think our best chances are for Tokyo. And if they don't think that distance swimming is uh, one of our best chances, maybe they won't put camps on. You know, obviously you know, had Jazz uh, riding high leading into Rio uh, and a few others perhaps but so that might be one point and the, the second point i wanted to make was whether and i would be interested in in others opinion on this is whether the success of the men's four by two uh, over the last three four years has funneled people down a distance on the men's side because everyone wants to be on that team um and whether that's just influencing people who are currently doing uh four certainly maybe maybe eight and fifteen to think actually i could you know i think i'd like to be on that team i think i've got a chance uh, and, they're, and then they're changing their emphasis back down but down the distance spectrum.
0: I, I don't know. It's a difficult one because, you know, the way that I've always looked at it is that you're just good at what you're good at. And that's, that's what, you know, you just, you race the events that you're good at and it's not that tactical, but, you know, maybe <coughs> if you're putting together a decent 400, you do start to wonder when you see that team or, or you're a good hundred swimmer and you've got a, a sort of decent aerobic base behind you, you sort of try and, step up because there's no four by one you know there's historically not really been a men's four by one team so it, it definitely could be an influence I don't know if it would I always feel like proper distance swimmers are kind of a whole different species um, and they you know that you find your mark pretty early and you stick to it but I just I just don't know I think it's probably more likely that it's just less attractive um, and and it's the the fact that there aren't really distance programs or distance coaches around as we've discussed.
3: I think it probably becomes so a bit self-perpetuating as well. If there aren't distance coaches and there aren't distance camps, then there are less likely to be distance swimmers. And if there are less likely to be distance swimmers, then you're going to, to end up with less investment into distance programmes. So I guess this this whole... This whole, you know, host of influences will affect everything over the course of four years or eight years, maybe even longer. Um, and you'll have a spike in, in certain events or certain disciplines, and then they'll get a whole lot of investment and interest and coaches and um, and kind of support, and then they'll increase. So that's you know what we're seeing in certain events, and we'll we'll see it less in, in others. So it might just be a case that we've had a bit of a maybe a low kind of couple of years for distance swimmers and because of that um you know they've looked towards tokyo and said hey we don't have that many prospects for distance swimming in tokyo so actually these are our real focuses and it is the 100 200 meters um, we need a talent id
2: though we need a talent id for the next four years after tokyo and the paris or else we'll be in exactly the same situation in five years time
3: well, absolutely. But but in terms of securing medals in between an Olympic quad, they, you know, you, you look at what your hopefuls are then. I don't know what's I don't know what the young athletes are doing. In you know, we've just had a European Youth Olympics. I don't know whether we've got young distance swimmers there or whether it's a bit of a lull kind of all ages.
2: That's all the shorter distance as well. We're getting great success. But again, it's 100 and 200 virtually all of them, aren't they? All, all the success we're having there.
3: Yeah, potentially. I mean, well, maybe, maybe it comes back to Katie's point. that maybe it is just less attractive to to be training like that. Um, and, and putting in the, the hours or the distance that's different from and maybe, you know, if, if especially if you've not got peers doing it, if there was a distance programme where everybody's doing it and we did have that at one point with um, in Loughborough there was a bit more of a kind of a distance, I know there are uh, still distance boys there but there was kind of a, a whole distance group at one point point. Um, and you know, if, you, if all your peers people, are doing it then, then you're yeah, okay but, doing it But why it, aren't but people
2: if, inspired? Why aren't people inspired by what we've seen over the last 11 years? Double gold medalist in in Beijing uh, Double silver medalist in Rio distance events and why are these people not inspiring other people to do? it? That's what I don't get with breaststroke breaststroke begets breaststroker begets breaststroker They, they there is there is a conveyor belt of breaststrokers it comes along all the time Why have we not got people who've been influenced by Becky by David Davis by Jazz Carlin by carrie Ann Payne? It's just not happened
3: is it is it is it that they're inspired by those people that we've got breaststroke after breaststroke after breaststroke, or is it because we've got breaststroke specialists and we've got breaststroke, you know, specific coaches and people and programs who have a lot of experience coaching world class breaststrokers? It well, might people be a, gravi- no, might be gravitate. a
2: bit of but people gravitate towards that because because they're they're inspired by Adam Peaty or or uh, Ross Murdoch or whoever it might be. Um you know, you'd think the same thing would happen with the people who've been world-class and world champions and Olympic champions. In the longer event, it hasn't happened.
0: I think that, I think part of the issue is that, like, we've always had one or two very good distance swimmers standing out. And then, you know, we've had either Becky and Jazz or Becky and Kerry-Ann, Dave Davis and Dan Fogg, but not much behind that. Where And the difference is with the sort of breaststroke stories, there's always been quite a lot of them around. And I think, um, you know, when it when it comes down to it, British swimming is partly a business they get them they're going to be getting their funding as a result of medal count and are they going to plow all that money into events where we currently aren't getting any medals i don't i
3: don't know well,
2: I, I think you the get two for, uh, big... yeah but i get i think you get a two to one the two for one offer here because you can do 1500 meter swimmers can go and do open water too
3: Ugh. Uh, they can, but I think that's I think it's quite different, isn't it? I mean I, I, not, I've training, only, it's not I've only ever well yeah maybe I've only ever swim in a pool and I'm terrified of swimming in open water. I feel like you need a lot of very very different skills to be able to go and be successful at open water, not just the well we've just, kind had, of the physiological background. just
2: had the 50 millimeter swimmer who won the, who won the 1500 in Guangzhou was the 10K winner of the open water.
3: I yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily normal. translate, does it?
1: Right,
2: I think. no, I think it does actually.
1: But yeah. I'm. I'm not sure we're going to solve this problem. Uh, okay. not on this podcast <laughs> it's a anyway. It's not uh, our mean... problem. Okay.
3: Bob, you can write a proposal. We'll send it into British Summing. Yeah, but and, um, it see, if he, see if we see if we can get a see if we can get a nice distance program. Okay, but I think it does I think there is a point. You think I've got a point. It though. just You're being still, yeah. I, absolutely, be. I think you've absolutely got a point. I think it there's it's probably a whole host of, of factors. Um and, and to be honest, they're probably seen as being slightly less sexy events. Um, you know, let there are more people wanna do the hundred meters running than they do the three thousand or the five thousand or the ten K. Um, it's just it's just the way it is. Sprinting events are fast. They're furious. They're exciting. They're fun. Um, probably less so than going and slogging out a 1500. So just in terms of, you know, swimming has become more popular and people are inspired by it, hopefully. But it, it doesn't necessarily go uh, equally across the field. Um, it kind of begs and, the
2: question, why are they putting the 800 and 1500 in the Olympics then? Well, I think that is a
1: whole different argument and I am going to draw a line under this discussion. <laughs> Fascinating <laughs> as it has been because uh, we only have so much time on this podcast uh, and there's plenty more to talk about. Uh, but if Bill Furness is listening, he uh, he obviously needs to think about his distance programmes post-Tokyo. Uh, let's move on. There were some other fantastic swimming uh, beyond the British team well there was a lot of fantastic swimming beyond the British team I'm going to pick on two particular swims we've already sort of mentioned uh, Anton Chupkov uh, 206.1, 200 breaststroke world record which was a, a great swim but uh, probably what, a couple of the more startling results and I'm going to come to you Lizzie about Reagan Smith in the 200 meter backstroke 203.35 which is just an astonishing time for a 200 meters backstroke
3: just absolutely extraordinary. I I l- saw the results and I genuinely thought my eyes were deceiving me. Um, I Yeah, absolutely outstanding. And she's so young as well, just 17 is she? Um, yeah, un- unbelievable. It wasn't a world record that I thought would go at this meet. Um, she swam it absolutely exceptionally. Um, I think in the, in the final, she was... She was a fifty nine point four to her feet or something, which is just unheard of in, in two hundred meter swimming, um, and and yeah, just a very very bright star for the future um, and really really exceptional swim. And then obviously has has gone on to back it up. So she didn't do the hundred earlier in the week. There were two other um, two other athletes from the U.S. who did that event instead of her. Um, but then they obviously decided to take a bit of a whim on her after her two hundred meter performance and put her in the medley relay and she obviously absolutely smashed the the hundred meter world record as well. So coming out of this meet, she now holds both of those world records by significant margins from where they were before. Um and it yeah, absolutely great to see the the sport kind of move forward in that way. It's it's it was unbelievable.
1: Does it make you uh, sort of pleased that you've hung your goggles up?
3: Yeah, it's it is strange actually a stranger on watching. I was having a chat with my Canadian friend Hillary Caldwell who also retired at the same time as I did um, and we kind of watch it back with with kind of awe and obviously you know very very kind of excited to to see those kind of results but it does it does make you feel a bit better about stopping because I think if if the if you have slow meets and it happened to me a lot bit in the the Rio Olympics where it was a very very slow competition and it was slow to make it on the podium and to not be there is, is then suddenly quite stressful because you think to yourself I really, you know, I really could have contended for something there, but to see results like this, you kind of like, okay, it's gone past me. <laughs> um, you know, I've made the right decision. So, so yeah, it's um, but it's it's great to to be watching swimming like that, and it it you know it does so much for the sport as well. It's so exciting to see things really move forward like that. Um, and just you know a different a different class of athlete is coming is coming through now we we kind of we i didn't think we'd get to a point where we thought missy franklin was kind of old but i know she's you know not competing anymore but she was the the golden girl who held that world record before and so it's it's um maybe maybe fitting that it's a fellow fellow, fellow american that's taken that off off her hands um and and yeah just a, an amazing meet. i think we we mentioned at the beginning of this Podcast, or sorry, the first podcast that we did after the first four days, and said maybe the Americans have been slightly underwhelming and tended to do this. But I think they've actually kind of backended this meet. Um, I don't know about you guys, but they seem to have had some pretty exceptional wins and some pretty exceptional performances in the last few days. So, um, yeah, whether or not that was just the way their team was structured or whether they had a few really inspiring swims that kind of kick-started that. Um, but I imagine hers was was definitely one of those ones that would have really buoyed the team a couple of days before the finish.
1: Well, as you said, she took uh, Missy Franklin's world record in the 200 back. Uh, so, wiping out... a. A very successful American swimmer from the record books. And another one uh, went as well. Michael Phelps's 100-metre butterfly record went shortly after his 200-metre butterfly record had gone uh, to his American uh, teammate, Caleb Dressel. 49.5, Katie, is a, just a ridiculous time for 100 metres butterfly.
0: Yeah, it is ridiculous. Like, I think something that's been so amazing about these two world records, in particular World 3, these two people who have broken world records is how far ahead they are um they you know they're not only broken kind of legendary world records but they are just an absolute mile ahead of the the rest um and you can sort of start writing your story about where the olympic golds are going next year with with quite a lot of confidence um he's obviously you know such a talent and it's quite a weird. Thing watching because he tends to swim pretty slowly all year and then just unleash these absolutely insane things at trials and then at the major events just needs to perform where it matters so yeah it's, a, it's an incredible swim and he's performed you know not all world records but consistently brilliantly in every event that he's done
1: well, I think he he leaves this meet with eight medals uh I'll get this wrong but I think six gold and two silver uh, well certainly eight medals I think it's six and two maybe five and three but uh, a fantastic meet for him um all round really uh just some unbelievable swimming from from those two swimmers um those were kind of the the up points of the meet um we had spoke about all of the drama around uh, Sun Yang and, and Mac Horton and Duncan Scott and doping and so on in the first four days, and perhaps we thought it might have quietened down, but in a sort of ironic turn of events, um, we found out uh, yesterday or the day before, uh, we very very recently anyway, that uh, Australian team member Shana Jack uh, was sent home from the meet before it started for failing... Um, Failing a, a drugs test for um, an anabolic agent, um, a sort of highly experimental anab- anabolic agent, it, it turns out. Uh, Casey, I don't know what you've made of all this. It's it's all very sort of confusing. I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's there's there's so much about it that's confusing. It sort of couldn't really be a bit more awkward that it's an Australian after all the stuff that had gone on with with Sun Yang. It seems to have been handled a little bit strangely and that it, it it came out at a weird time. I think the idea had been that it would all come out after the meet was over so it wouldn't distract the Australian team members. Um, there's always and, and I know I am very happy to be accused of having double standards. But when it's not someone who's from one of the more prolific doping nations, I always have a bit more of a question mark in my head just because I think there's a real difference you know that we see in cycling where you're not surprised because they will all say well everyone was doing it if it's quite weird to be the, the sort of lone wolf and thinking right well you know i'm gonna take drugs and and go out there and do it on your own when you're gonna get caught like it's such a weird alien thing to me if you if you take something that's on the band list and you're a good swimmer you're gonna get tested and you're gonna get caught and and so for her to have taken that risk it just seems very weird and for her to be the sort of one Australian that's taken the risk and has inevitably been caught seems weird. However, it does sound from the things that we're we're hearing that you know if you're a sprinter and you are gonna cheat, that's probably the sort of thing you're gonna take. So there's plenty more to come from this, but you know we'll we'll wait and see because you know there was a, a case in the last year of a, a Dutch swimmer who was we all found out had returned a positive test and then further tests were done and Fina ended up having to apologise to her and said that she's no longer under investigation. There was no positive, you know, there was no positive test. It's all very weird. I don't really understand what's going on and I think it's one of those things where we're just going to have to wait and see. But it's a shame and and I think it's a shame that the Australian team leaders didn't come out and speak about it. You know, it seemed to be left up, up to Kate Campbell to make statements on on the team's behalf, which she did very well um but it's it's just all a very strange situation
1: well it's yeah it's very odd and i think what will be uh you mentioned double standards there and we're we're all guilty of, of bias uh to some degree or another but i think what will be interesting is to see how the tone of the media coverage plays out uh over the, the coming months as the as the details of this um are made public um and whether uh i would well i think she's already in, you know alluded to the fact that this was a a tainted supplement or something that that's that's led to this positive test and it will be interesting that's just what to, they to say. well precisely because what i know that's uh, been heard lots before and it was as i said whether whether the coverage becomes much more sympathetic saying, oh our oh, oh, poor girl she's you know she's obviously been caught out by an unscrupulous supplement what is
2: this something. substance or, by the or, way or, um... what is this substance i so, so I looked it and i hadn't even heard of it before anybody enlighten
1: me as to what it is uh,
2: it's a
0: steroid um well i think it's a
1: non-steroid but, but oh, right d- but has the same effect as a steroid i think it's an osteo- osteoporosis drug or something but it's not even through clinical trials yet so it's a, a very unusual um thing to get caught from a from a supplement um but
0: it's only you know, on the rise though in terms of what people you know um people testing positive for it um and and so whether that's an opportunistic thing or it is something that you know happens are, are, are we back in
2: sharapova territory with this then uh, uh, no
0: it's, it's not one that everyone's been taking and now you're not allowed to take it no, or, you it's know, been whatever. banned it's
1: been banned forever i think so uh, yeah but uh, anyway we will watch what happens um in that story with interest um,
3: I just think it's worth just noting on that how um, kind of well, and I'm sure he's not had his social media and those kind of things on, but how well Duncan has handled the rest of the week, you know, after what happened earlier on in the week. And I'm sure there were lots of questions from journalists and I'm sure British and were having to field um, a lot of interest from both back home and over there. Yeah, good and luck, I, Pete. I, I, I hope he <laughs> didn't have his messages on social media and things like that, because I'm sure he had a lot of um, protests from Sun's Chinese fans. Um, but yeah, just a, a very impressive show and performance from him in the rest of this meet in you know the wake of that kind of because it, it does get to some people and it was quite a lot of drama and um yeah it was i think i thought he held his own and kept his head very very well and very maturely for the rest of that competition
1: indeed a great show of maturity from duncan right i think it's time to uh, draw this podcast to can inclusion. i make one
2: can i make one observation before you do you may There is only now one record that remains on the books from Rome 2009 for the women, but eight for the men.
1: There we are, and which is the women's women's 200 fly? I'm guessing it is. No, 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 no. 200 free.
2: Is that
3: is that because arguably the men had more to gain from the shiny suits?
2: Um, uh, in terms of in terms yeah. of coverage, I coverage. Definitely,
3: they were stripped we'll look back. At the, from... we'll
2: look at the Biederman record. Is that ever, ever going to go? Is, 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 nobody's even getting close to it, aren't they?
1: Well, nobody no. swims four hundred free anymore, Bob. I think we've concluded. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think Lizzie, you've hit the nail on the head. That I think uh, the current generation of women's suits probably provide, if not the the hydrodynamics of the of the neoprene, they probably provide a pretty. Well, you would know better than I do, clearly. But uh, I, my, my feeling is that they're probably not that different in terms of support and compression and all that kind of thing. That perhaps yeah, I mean, I think,
3: I think the key point being that your torso uh, is still covered and supported. I mean, the, the materials are very, very different. They didn't affect me that much as, as an athlete. I actually did all my PBs the, ne- the year after they got banned. Um, but they were definitely significant in terms of material and still full leg coverage and obviously all of your back and you could wear obviously full arms as well. Um, but just in terms of the boys, if you, 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 know, you, could, if you think of someone like a Thorpe, um, but even the boys, most of the boys at Rome wearing full legs and then full torso and back um, compared to the jammers that they're wearing now, it's fairly significant. I don't know whether that's the reason, um, but you think it might be a, a contributor.
2: Well, four that of the eight fact. are freestyle records. 100, 200, 400, 800, all still Rome records.
3: Well, I think
1: we might see the 100 go. Dressel was very close to it, wasn't he, this week? So, uh, but I think the two and the four, yeah, they'll be around for a while in the eight probably as well. But there we are. Right, I'm really going to draw a line under everything now because this has been a, a marathon effort. but An effort. Fascinating. Uh, really great conversation, I think. Um, so, uh, one quick one for you all. Uh as we do often at this point, just to ask you to pick your swim of the week, British or otherwise, uh, and put you all on the spot. Uh, Bob? I'm going to go for the collective medley
2: team, I'm afraid. You know, and
1: that's a bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to, have to go for that. That's a good choice. Katie? Uh,
0: just because I'm excited about what's to come, uh, Regan Smith.
1: Yeah, a fantastic choice as well. Uh, Lizzie?
3: I was also going to say Regan Smith, and then... Duncan Scott was my second choice so all of my choices have been taken um I think let's not forget about Adam as well um he just seems to surprise after surprise after surprise each year so um yeah very very exciting year ahead I think in in the preparation I'm so glad that it's been a really quick world um because I think it really does set up good things for for the next year of training for not just the Brits but you know the rest of the world as well um, and hopefully it's going to be a super fast games next
1: year. So I would have picked fifty six eight eight from Adam probably as my swim of the week, closely followed by uh, Caleb Dressel forty nine five hundred fly and, and Duncan's anchor. So uh, yeah, I think we've got it covered there. So you're not
3: so you're not even having the two hundred three in your top three as no,
1: saying? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Where's he said? I've been to please, isn't he? Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. on that note,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> fantastic. Right, is, we're going to draw it to a close now uh, Bob Katie thanks very much as always Lizzie it's been fantastic having you uh, join us for this world championship so thank you very much
3: great to be here no problem at all
1: uh, let's bring this one to an end then um, if you want to get in contact to talk about anything we've discussed on this uh, podcast then it's at poolboy on twitter or poolboy.co.uk forward slash contact um, I'm not sure when we'll be back perhaps we might be around for the ISL later this year who knows Um But uh, watch out on social media if you want to find out when the next episode lands. Uh, But in the meantime, thanks to everyone who's listened this week, uh, and we'll be back with you soon. You've been listening to The Pool Boy Podcast. For more episodes, visit www.poolboy.co.uk slash podcast.